Welcome, everyone, to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 146. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at BJourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? Hey, John, I'm doing great. I feel like I lost an hour. Actually, I feel like I gained an hour this weekend for some odd reason. We are both pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to career enlightenment? So let's take a trip. Awesome. So as Nick uh, mentioned, we're recording right after our American, what is it? Fall back? Daylight savings time? I, I don't I don't remember why it is that we do this. I think nobody remembers why we do change our clocks forward and back at different times in the year. But, um, but we're using our extra hour to record the show. Yes, that is what we're doing. That is exactly what we're doing. And this show is part six of our discussion on Deep Work, the book by Cal Newport. Um, if you haven't listened to any of the other episodes in the series, uh, check out part one in episode 141, where we discussed the introduction, which had the main thesis points or, or the why of the book. And then uh, episodes 142 and 143, where we talked through the first rule, which was work deeply. And then uh, episode 144, we talked about the second rule, embracing boredom. And episode uh, 145, we covered the third rule, quit social media. Just a reminder of the format, we're going to do some summarization about why we're talking about the book. Um, and then we'll summarize what we read in this uh, final rule, answer some questions along the way, uh, mainly, do we believe the point? that's being made and, and does it apply to each of us? And then does it make us want to change and what we anticipate changing, if anything? Uh, one thing we realized that this is how we're going to read books that have a big impact on us uh, from now on. And we'd like to model that process by recording it in the podcast. Um, I don't think that we're going to do that for every book that we ever read, you know, that has um, some relevance on career, but, you know, it certainly might happen for, for the big books that make us kind of re-examine how and why we're working. So with that in mind, you know, this is what we're doing, summarizing the big points, take notes, record our reactions, and then record what we're going to try to change from that point forward. Nick, do you want to remind us why we're even uh, reading Deep Work? Absolutely. So Cal Newport has something called a Deep Work Hypothesis, but let me first tell you what Deep Work and Shallow Work are as classified by the author. Deep work are, is classified as professional activities performed in a state of distraction-free concentration that push your cognitive capabilities to their limit. These efforts create new value, improve your skill, and are hard to replicate. That is the opposite of shallow work, which we define as non-cognitively demanding tasks that are often done while distracted, which are easy to replicate and do not create a lot of value in the world. So the deep work hypothesis that Newport makes is as follows. The ability to perform deep work is becoming increasingly rare at the same time it is becoming increasingly valuable in our economy. As a consequence, the few who cultivate this skill and make it into the core of their working life will thrive. 
we thought this was compelling and we wanted to bring that information to our listeners. Yeah, really uh, great stuff. Kind of important to the thesis of like what it is that we need to do to kind of advance our careers, um, regardless of where it is that we are in that process. So on to rule four, which I will uh, summarize. Rule four is drain the shallows. Here's kind of what it goes over. The, the shallow work we're asked to do isn't as important as it seems, right? And limiting as much shallow work as possible can drive success and excellence. There's a limit to the amount of shallow work we can eliminate while still maintaining our positions. That's, you know, obvious. Um, and there's a maximum amount of deep work that we can do in a day, just, you know, physical limitation of how much concentration you can actually maintain. However, you should bias yourself towards the deep over the shallow and question new shallow work, you know, mainly on whether it's actually useful or whether it compromises your deep work uh, before you accept it into something that you actually want to do. So, you know, the questions, do I believe this and does it apply to me? I, I do believe it. You know, this is the, the actual key step. If you've uh, been brought along on the series of ideas that Cal Newport's uh, laid out, you know, his thesis and argument, minimize the low value work and maximize the high value work. If you, if you want to restate it in a slightly different way, I definitely have shallow work that I've got to eliminate, you know, in my job, you know, I've, I've uh, gone through and examined everything and, and tried to really, you know, change how it is that I'm doing work and, you know, evaluate whether something's deep or shallow as it comes in. But, you know, this, this main idea of, Hey, you should be spending most of your time doing deep work and not shallow work. Um, that definitely applies to me. Like, I, I believe it. <laughs> How about you, Nick? Well, I believe it in principle, and I think that I have interacted with people that are doing this already for some time. And again, we just didn't call it deep work or didn't realize that's what they were doing. I don't feel like I've eliminated as much shallow work as maybe I could. One of my biggest issues is getting pulled into the shallow and not accomplishing the deep, so that's something that I'm working on. And part of that may just be my challenge in saying no to helping others. Still learning, John. Still learning. Yeah, I, I totally hear you on that. You know, like people ask us for our time every day, right? Um, and their emergency becomes our emergency, especially if it's like your management chain, which is asking for something. Yep. Very difficult to just ignore that. Totally understand the next question is, does it make me want to change my behavior? And if so, what will I change to align myself with the idea? So for me, there's several things that immediately pop into my mind, right? Um, minimizing my interaction with chat and email is something that, you know, I think I've done as I've read the book. Um, minimizing or, or chunking my administrative tasks into blocks instead of spreading them out throughout my day, you know, as they come up. Um, hey, this is something I need done. Okay. Well, I'm not going to do it right now because right now is my deep work time. I'm going to, you know, add it to the list of things that I need to do during a block of time that I've assigned for administrative tasks. I think something that immediately came to my mind, like when you mentioned, you know, getting asked to do things is maintaining my status and project state in a ready to publish way so that if I ever get asked for fire drill type information, it's easy to provide, like you can just cut and paste it from where it's kept to 
um, whatever it is that is being asked, or you can summarize it. So I, I don't know about you, but a lot of the, t the information that I'm being asked for, you know, hey, I need your help on this is a lot of it is, hey, I need to provide a report on, you know, the types of accounts that we have and where we are and, and, you know, the, the state of what it is that you're trying to do. And like, you know, if I have to wait until the moment that I'm asked for that information to then come up with, you know, Hey, this is the category. This is what we've been trying to do. And this is where we are in that process. I mean, that's a kind of a failure in organization and in process on my point, like I, I need to be maintaining all that information as I go, not just for my management chain, but for my own good and for, you know, any work colleagues that I'm bringing into a project. So, you know, I'm not perfect at that. Um, I definitely have it top of mind and, you know, I just probably need to, you know, schedule more time, you know, in the process of putting down projects, you know, or, or wrapping up a time block that I'm working on a project to make sure that I'm actually, you know, recording all of that in a central place that, you know, I'll be looking for that information if I ever get asked to, you know, read somebody into a project or ask for a summary or an update. How about you? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and that's a great point about centralizing your status of all the things. I, I like it. Make the tag task list and current working items publishable. I have to say that I probably don't question the shallow tasks enough. I don't have a problem with authority or anything like that. It's not narcissism, but I'm thinking the questioning is more like that craftsman approach to tool selection, but apply that to the type of work that's coming in and the type of requests. I see those as similar. And it just means that I have to be a little bit more thoughtful about what I say yes to and how that's going to, and how saying yes is going to impact my protected time for deep work. I think I personally end up giving more of myself to help someone else. And then I'm left with, you know, not enough time to, to do the deep work I need to do. So that's an area of improvement for me. And maybe it's just more about setting boundaries. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And it's good self-analysis. I found that like this book and the points that it makes have been very useful for spurring that self-analysis and this process that we're following of, you know, reflecting like that has been incredibly helpful. Um, I guess that's just more of a meta conversation than on the specific yeah, point, but definitely is just brought it to the forefront. Ready to go to the next point? Yeah, let's do it. Schedule every minute of your day. So this is all about time block planning. Decide what you're going to do at the beginning of the day, how much time it's going to take and when you'll do it. Every minute of your day should be covered. You can always rework the schedule Take into account that you'll probably underestimate the amount of time it takes to complete tasks and use overflow blocks of time. Schedule more task blocks than you think you need, and for longer periods so you have areas to flex into for unexpected work. Does that apply to you, John, and do you believe it? Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I do believe this. It applies to me, and you know I can, I think, intellectually understand the point, and still find it really not easy to apply. Um, you know, I read this several weeks ago and I looked back at my work calendar and it definitely does not have every minute of every day scheduled, you know? So I think I automatically push back so that I can have the ability to flex into the things that might come up. But 
the things that might come up, you know, that is, that's maybe a little bit silly, right? Like, you know, if nothing comes up and I don't have anything scheduled, like what, what is that? What does that mean? What am I supposed to do with that time? Like that means that every blank block of time I have to come up with something. I have to make a decision about what's most important and do it on the fly instead of centralizing that task of like prioritizing, like, you know, what I need to get done for the day at the beginning of the day from most important, you know, to least important, and then do that once and then spread that out in my time blocks and then expect and understand that that can change like, and, and it's fine for it to change. I think I just have this like idea in my head that I need to have free time during the day for people to schedule meetings, um, for me in, which is difficult to let go of. Um, totally. You know, because we have all these automatic tools now, it's like, Hey, I'm just going to find the next free 30 minutes. Oh, it's not till tomorrow. It, you know, if I schedule every minute every day, it cannot like my next free block cannot be until tomorrow. Um, but you know, like that's, you know, there's, there's ways of getting around that. How about you? I like what you said there about taking the need to decide what you're going to work on out of the equation by listing it down, prioritizing it at the beginning of the day, even if it changes. When you do have the time, you don't have to then decide, oh, what should I be doing? You're already going to know what you should be doing. I feel like this one's really hard for me. So tough, in fact, it makes me not want to schedule every minute of my of my day because for whatever reason... I have this feeling of shying away from too much structure. It's not that I'm opposed to structure, but this feels like too much in a certain way. I definitely appreciate the overflow block idea presented because it means that it's not so strictest. You know, you could you could skim part of this book and maybe come away with the idea that you just need to be this selfish jerk who is completely inflexible and that's really not what the author is saying and i think i'm walking the fence on the super selfish versus too helpful approach trying to trying to rein it in to not be too much of one or the other yeah i totally get that when you get asked to do something it's you know there's like this process that we have to go through now which is like where does this align to me you know, me personally, where does this align to my account team? Where does this align to my overall like territory team? And then where does this align to like, you know, region and then company? Yeah. Right. Um, and what, you know, by saying yes to this, I'm kind of saying no to something else. Right. So what does this take precedence over, you know? And, you know, if you're, if it's your manager asking you, then they can kind of make that decision for you, right? You can say, yeah. well, here's what I needed to get done today. You know, tell me like where on the, like it's, it's organized in order of precedence, but you tell me where it fits in. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, you know, I suppose like that's one, one thing that you can do. Although then you start getting tagged with like, uh, you know, needs guidance, you know, uh, I can't just like assign tasks and walk away. Like, they need oversight. I would qualify that as to whether, like if you're in a shorthanded department or something like that, 
then yes, get the manager to prioritize stuff for you. I don't think that that makes you look like you can't prioritize. Mm-hmm. But to your point, you don't want to be seen as someone who always needs advice on what should I do next or first or. Right. Yeah. I mean, and it's, you know, honestly, it's sometimes it's like, hey, you know, I have six hours of work to get done in the next four hours. So I need you like that is physically impossible for me to do. And maybe right now I'm too close to understand what is like what order I should be doing these things. Mm -hmm. So I need help and, you know, your oversight to, you know, in examining that. And if they can't provide that, if they're assigning you six hours of work to do in four hours and no um, guidance on how to prioritize those tasks, then that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, it is what it is. Maybe we should move on to the, like the second set of questions. Like, does it make me want to change behavior? And if so, what will I change to align myself with this idea? So it does make me want to change my behavior. After thinking things through, I think, you know, there's got to be a happy medium between saying that I'm fully booked for an entire day, every single day. You know, the first thing that I do will be to fully book myself. There's got to be a happy medium between that and being like, you know, hey, uh, the only thing that I have on my calendar are meetings and then maybe, you know, one or two blocks that's, you know, generic deep work. So, you know, most organizations are using something like maybe Office 365 or or Google Workspace where you have like an integrated task system that you can apply, you know, and assign like dates and times where things need to get done. So, you know, one maybe tool-based way to answer this question is to say, okay, you know, I see I have these blank times, you know, there's, here's a blank 30 minutes. Um, I'm going to assign this task as, you know, for the deadline to be that 30 minute block. Now, you know, that generally assigns it in a slightly different, you know, calendar manner than, than a meeting. Um, so you might still be available while it still shows up in your calendar as having a deadline, you know, um, in your calendar view, or you could schedule the time to be a meeting where you're actually not busy. Right. So I could say, here's a meeting where I'm going to be doing this task. The only attendee is me, but instead of marking myself busy during that time, I'll mark myself as free. And that means that somebody else can go through and look at my calendar and see my, see that I am actually free. If they're using some kind of automatic scheduling tool, that scheduling tool will look at that block as me able to be scheduled. I like that. So I can give myself some general structure. Hey, I think I'm going to be doing this at these times, right? But if somebody needs to grab 30 minutes or an hour or whatever needs me during that time to do something, they can just schedule over it. Um, and they, they, if they're looking at my calendar, that block will show up as free. I mean that, and that maybe is too like microscopically focused on a tools answer to doing that. But I think that is kind of what my hesitation is, you know, to, to appear to not be available for an entire day. It doesn't, that's, I think my reservation is if somebody looks at my calendar on any given, you know, at the beginning of a day and they say, well, when can I schedule like 15 minutes to chat with John today? Oh, no time at all. Right. I'll just look tomorrow. And then they look tomorrow and it's no time at all. And you know, the only time they can book me is future days like that. 
seems a little bit restrictive. So, you know, maybe some kind of happy medium between those two things. Well, yeah. And if, if somebody has to ask you every time they want to schedule a meeting with you, then that's just more interruptions. Yeah, it's very true. Like, so I want them to be able to use like automatic tools or to look at my calendar, see when I'm free and busy and just send me an invite. Um, and I want that to, you know, appear to be easy, um, you know, for those important interactions that I want and need, but I also want the structure, you know, the, to be able to say, here's the things I want to be able to get done today, like loosely schedule those and then know that I'm going to juggle them. Yeah. I like that. How about you? You know, I really don't want to schedule every minute of my day, John. Like I just don't want to do that. And I think it's the same reason as you stated, wanting to be available to help other people. I like your compromise idea of setting an appointment but leaving it free. So I'll say that this one kind of makes me want to change. Yeah. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah, I hear you. I think maybe what I'm going to commit to doing is trying to do that for the next 30 days and then see how it goes. You know, if it's a, if it's just a total failure very early on, it's easy to just stop. And if it is successful, um, but too much work, then I can stop. There you go. <laughs> you know, a trial but if period. It, yeah, exactly. And if it, if it works great, then I can just keep on going. So what you should do, I think what I just heard you do was commit to writing a blog post after 30 days on how this went. Is that, is that what I heard? I, I think you did hear that. Yes. <laughs> I think it'd be a great post to read, honestly. Yeah. No yeah. pressure. No pressure. No, I, 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 I would like to, one of my goals from, you know, and I didn't really lay this out, but, um, one of my goals for, you know, doing reading deep work and applying it was to be able to generate more content and generating more blog posts, you know, is one of those things that I wanted to do, especially if it's, you know, career oriented. Yeah. Look forward to that. And if you're reading this in the far future, and you can't find a blog post on this at, you know, vjourneyman.com or wherever I happen to be blogging, you know, shoot me a note, call me out on Twitter and ask me where that was published. And if I just publish it somewhere else, then uh, I'll let you know. And if I haven't written it at all, then I will post a shame emoji, maybe, if there is such a thing. And if there isn't, then I'll just, you know, put, you know, star, shame, star. And then uh, I have some it. fun pictures of John if needed to for blackmail purposes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so uh, the next um, point, I think, if we're moving on, is the idea of quantifying the depth of every activity, right? And this was really interesting. There was actually a really interesting quote here on how to do that. Um, this is Cal Newport's, you know, direct quote, how long would it take in months to train a smart recent college graduate with no specialized training in my field to complete this task? So that is a way to assess how deep this specific task is. And immediately it should jump out to you like for fairly simple administrative tasks, you know, that would probably be less than a month. You know, so one month on the outside and then, you know, the more difficult tasks, you know, that require specialized training, you know, that you have, 
you know, that's going to be longer in months, you know, and some of them might be even years, right? It took me this many months to get competent at my job and this many months to get competent within the organization and have the contacts to do what I need to be able to do. And so it's going to take five years to train somebody to do this, right? Well, that's a very deep task, right? And then, you know, the final point, bias your activities towards those deep activities, not for, towards the ones that are shallow, which is fascinating, you know, because a lot of times, you know, in other like kind of task oriented philosophies, it's the opposite, right? Oh, this is going to be very easy. I can knock this out in five minutes. I should just do this instead of adding it to my task list at all, right? right? But, Get it out of the way. Right. That's a very um, getting things done, David Allen um, philosophy. Oh, I'm looking at this task. It's it's easy for me to knock out in the next five minutes. So I'm instead of recording it as a task that needs to be done, I'll just do it. Well, the opposing philosophy that we're seeing here is if it's going to only take you five minutes to do this thing, how important is it really for you to do at all? And should you be spending time doing this? And that is a critical, critical question that you should be asking. Um, and it starts to result in some hard questions, you know, up the chain, right? Like I, I got asked to update a spreadsheet with, you know, some information about my customers and it was going to take me five minutes to do like, why, why, you know, why, why do I need to spend my time? Right. Why is it important? And why is it in a spreadsheet? Like, why is this, if this information is this critical, why is it not in our like customer relationship management system for me to update on a regular basis? It's a longer answer. Yeah. So at any rate, you know, the questions, do I believe this uh, and does it apply to me? <laughs> and, you know, clearly I, I've already said yes, right? Like I find myself like adding this filter in mentally now for every task, right? So right now there's tasks that I can say, okay, this is, this would take weeks maximally, you know, on the outside, it would take weeks to train somebody to do this. The, the only thing is that I'm not actually recording that, right. As I'm ingesting these tasks and recording them in my task management system. So it should be simple to formalize. Right. And then as soon as I say that it's simple, like I realize it isn't like a, a gut instinct on assigning a depth number should be like a good enough first pass. Like I, I would probably need to fight against like my instinct to be like extremely precise. Like, is it 11 months or is it 12 or is it 13 or is it 10? Like, well, like just or that is it gut 11 instinct. months and two weeks, <laughs> right? That level of granularity even. Right. So like, you know, right up top, Cal Newport said, how long would it take in months? Right. So I can say my granularity is going to be in months just because it's easy. And Cal Newport said, do it in months. And, and how precise do I need to be? Probably, um, above one month, I probably don't need to be that precise. Right. Cause one month is kind of the, I'm going to say like, maybe is like an easy cutoff for me to say like, this is a shallow task. It only took me a month to train like a recent college graduate to do it. If I could like offload that to a recent college graduate, you know, I could offload a whole bunch of like, that's, that should be like a clear, shallow task. And, and maybe I need to up that to six months. I guess, you know, really the only time to closely examine those things is when it's on the border, 
of whatever your arbitrary designation of designation of uh, deep task and shallow task is. It's and the thing to keep in mind is that it's not a prioritization number, right? It's it's kind of a filter number, right? Like below this number, I need to decide whether I should actually do this at all, right? Because it's a shallow task. So it's not like, hey, you know, this you know this number is fourteen. And that means that it's one of the more important tasks that I need to do. That's not it. Like it's just an indicator that it is a deep task as opposed to a shallow task. Right. So it's, it's different between quantifying depth and quantifying priority. And that's something that I had to like, I think only until we were prepping this episode, I did not realize that like it didn't really bubble to the top of my head. It's the difference between depth and priority. How about you? I like the idea of quantifying the depth of your task just to give you an idea of what is. You know, if you were to take, let's just say you have 15, 20 things to do, lay those out. Are they deep? Are they shallow? Just even if you just did that, I think that would probably give some insight into to what is, you know. I, it doesn't mean that I'm doing this all the time, but I definitely like the idea of let's see what reality is and what we should do about it. That's my take. Yeah. So even like the binary designation of deep versus shallow mm -hmm. is better than not doing it. Yeah. And, and recording it is better than not recording it. Yep. Yeah. Totally agree with you. Does it make me want to change behavior? And if so, what will I change to align myself with this idea? So I think this is probably another one where I'm going to try to do it for a month and see how it affects my work workflow, like actually recording, you know, what I think that deep or shallow number is. And, and I might have like a couple, you know, in order to simplify it, I might start, start out with deep or shallow. Right. But maybe what I would do is go like, you know, one step further and say, well, it's going to be like one month or less, like, and then six to 12 months or over 12 months. Like, you know, so I can kind of get like a, shallow intermediate and very deep maybe is this some, something that like i could very quickly train a, a recent college graduate without specialized skills to do like in less than a month like that's clearly shallow um you know almost almost certainly you know administrative in nature if it's going to take six to 12 months then that's training somebody you know more in the skills of what a you know my job is like a, you know i'm a sales engineer so you know, a customer engineer at Google needs to know kind of these things. Maybe it's about Google. Maybe it's about Google Cloud. Maybe it's about, you know, the sales process. But, you know, all of these things can fit in under like the one year of training and experience. You know, so that's more of an intermediate thing. And then here are the, thing, here are the things that it would take like depth of experience to actually accomplish, right? Subtleties, you know, that, that you only get after you know, seeing the situation five or six or 10 times. So that would be, it would take over a year. I mean, that's like another shallow intermediate deep. Like, you know, I suppose I could call it that, but you know, again, I think I'd like to do this for a month and then see how that goes. You know, I'm not sure exactly where to record this. Like, you know, we're talking about metadata here. That's generally not in task management systems. Um, but, you know, I could just put it in the title or maybe in the first line of the task description or something, and then try to assign that kind of on the fly. Like, here's just my gut instincts. Like, here's what the task is. And I think that it's 
deep or shallow or deep or shallow intermediate deep, you know, so it's not too much of a burden. And if it gets to be, you know, Hey, there's too many intermediate tasks that I could always go back afterwards and, and get more granular on, you know, how intermediate it is or whether something is actually intermediate or shallow or, um, so on and so forth. But again, it's not really a priority. So it's not a priority number. So, you know, I guess it's really just a matter of like using that filter to bias myself towards, you know, deeper work as opposed to shallower work. That's where that would come in. I feel like listeners have just heard about the launch of the John White 30 day deep task classification challenge. That's, that's what I heard. I got to be careful about assigning myself too many uh, 30 day challenges. Right. And, uh, and reporting back with too many blog posts like that. Not like, I, I do know that like doing those things are intermediate tasks, intermediate level depth tasks. Right. So I guess what you need to do is tweet out the results and then like challenge 10 other people. Is that, is that how you're going to do it? See what, what's going to happen? Everybody is this going to end up falling back on me? John's going to get me back for this somehow. <laughs> I can, I can, I can feel it. So, well, you know, it would be interesting to see how many people are reading along in this book with us and have gotten to this point and what they, you know, think about this point. So, yeah. you know, if you are, you know, reading this or listening to this and, and have a strong, you know, reaction to assigning and quantifying the depth of, of every task that you're asked to do, um, you know, tweet out at us. Let us know, like, as you listen to this, like, whether that makes sense to you or not. Like, we'd love to hear your feedback on, you know, quantifying depth of a task and then buying, biasing yourself to do the tasks that are deep as opposed to the ones that are shallow. Um, would love to hear other people's feedback. But how about your feedback on this specific thing? So I think after hearing you share all that, my feedback is along the lines of closer to getting things done in some ways. You know, if it's five minutes... And it's going to take me longer to classify and analyze this than to just do it. It's like, why did I classify it? If I thought it might be a one-time thing. You know what I mean? If I thought that this was going to happen every week or every three days, then maybe it's more worth that because it's going to add up to a larger time suck overall. That That's what entered my mind as you were talking. But I will say that I did experiment with just the deep versus shallow classification a little bit on a on a notepad. And it helped me learn to batch those shallow tasks together as much as I could, or at least more efficiently, kind of like you said at an earlier point. Here's the thing, though. Is it easy to keep doing it? Well, that's the hard part. It's one thing to start. It's another to keep at it. So it's the staying on the horse where I need to focus my efforts, I think. So I think I, I have shown that just in the few times I've tried it, I'm capable of the classification system. What I have not done a great job is continuing to do that. And it's probably just out of, I started working from the hot list again. You know what I mean? Instead of being more structured in my approach, calculated, if you will. That's really interesting. Where do you find... And maybe this is not a fair question to ask, like on the fly. But it's definitely where not. Do you f- <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know what it where is. do you find where do you find these tasks coming from? Are they coming from email? Are they coming from task text? Are they coming from chats? Are they coming from like the output of a meeting? 
Oh, I see. I would say a little bit of all those. Mm-hmm. I mean, usually it's, oh, I need to make sure that I do this because I said I would do this, and I don't want to forget that I said I would do this for this customer or this person internally. Sometimes it's, oh, this is a really good idea. I should do this. That would help so-and-so. You know, it's one of those things like it's a really good idea, but it might not be as urgent as, you know, do this thing I said I would two days ago in this meeting and knock that out quickly. So it's a little bit of all those things. I haven't classified the source of the tasks necessarily. And I, this is the part of me that's like, if I have to spend too much effort in the classification system, I don't know that I'll stick to doing it. Even if the payoff is worth it. I don't know why that is. I don't know if I'm being lazy or if I just feel like I have this misconception about it being too much work off the get-go. I'm not sure which one it is. But I have a feeling that there are people out there who take the same stance. I think, at least in my experience, is that when you're asking yourself to do work up front that will save you in the long run, like that is like just difficult in general for humans, right? Yeah. Like it's the, uh, what is the fable with the, the grasshopper versus the ants? Right, the, am I making up that Bugs fable life? where the, oh. the, the ants are like putting away food for winter and the grasshopper is just yeah. like singing. It's a bug's life. They come, they oh. eat, they leave. Or maybe that's not where it came from, but that's what, right. what it made me think of. You know, and it's, you know, it's the same thing. Like, you know, who like early on in their career is like fanatical about putting money away for retirement when they're like 20 or 18 or 16. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the right time to do it, but <laughs> who it's difficult to think over that, that time frame. Um, so yeah, in order to do it, it just has to become part of the process. Like I, you know, in order to do all the tasks, I need to record them. And part of recording them is, uh, you know, recording this metadata about it. Like who, who am I supposed to, who's supposed to get the output of this? Right. (laughs) You know, um, you know, how, you know, who's, who am I responsible for? Like if it's, if it's too much, who, who am I supposed to tell? If it's like, you know, if I get great results from this, who am I supposed to report to? Um, if it takes, you know, way more time than was originally estimated, who am I supposed to talk to? And then along those same lines, like I should probably be recording, like whether it's a shallow task or a deep task or, you know, what my time estimate on it is like that. I'm not saying that that's easy to do. Right. You know, forming a habit isn't easy to do. So I, I feel your pain. You know, I don't, I haven't done it. Right. So, right. <laughs> I totally, I, I'm totally on board with, with what you're talking about. And if, if I'm being lazy here, then I fully admit that it's just, uh, it's a little bit of a struggle to get over the hump. Well, I also would say that like, you know, that instinct to like, Hey, this is only going to take five minutes. I should just do it. Like, especially if it's during a deep work block and it's not aligned with what you had scheduled to do in that deep work block, like that's a distraction. Yes. Is what that I'll means, agree with that. Right. So it needs to be recorded to do at a different time, like mm-hmm. period. Right. And fully recording what to do should include, you know, whether it's a deep or shallow task, like, you know, like it just becomes a new rule for right. a week, for three weeks or for 30 days. 
Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then, you know, it makes for good, it should make for a good uh, blog post at the end of that. Right. Right. Can't forget that. Now he's dishing it back. <laughs> he's dishing it back. Um, well, it's something I already assigned myself. So, uh, Great. you know, look forward to that. I'll but just have it, to see yeah. if that task gets recorded in the right place and let you know. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, Nick, um, I think maybe we should call an audible. Like I thought we were going to get through like all of the, uh, the points in this chapter and the conclusion, but like, we're already at 45 minutes of recording. Like, um, I didn't realize yeah. we were going to talk this much. I didn't realize honestly that it was this thought provoking to go over. Well, it's like we've said before, you know, you, you kind of write down a rough outline of what you think the show will be, but you don't actually know what it will be until it happens. It's part of the magic. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think it's part of the, like, benefit and power. We're just kind of, you know, hopefully modeling this. Mm -hmm. You know, not only, you know, recording what your thoughts are about a book that you find fairly important, but also, you know, having a discussion about it with somebody else who's who's read the same book and has different perspectives. And it, you know, just triggers, like, you know, different talking points and yeah. and uh, interactions like that. Or it's homework assignments, powerful. you know. Yeah. Other other book assignments, uh, <laughs> tasks, thirty day challenges, and blog posts. That's right. Um, you know, so it's it's all good. But um, I think uh, anything else before we just get out of here? No, we are going to see if we can actually finish the deep work discussion series next week. But you know what? We're not going to commit to it. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be like uh, the the final book, uh, the final Harry Potter movie. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That was a two-parter. I mean, that's right. But we're going to turn this into a three-parter. No, no, we're not. <laughs> we've turned it into seven now. <laughs> <laughs> we thought, honestly, guys, we thought we were going to do two episodes on this book, and we're at seven. Our estimation skills are off a little. It's okay. Well, we'll make a task to work on us. that for thirty days. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Just a reminder: we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter at Nerd Journey. All right. Farewell, listeners, and tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White at V Journeyman for Nick Cordy at Network Nerd underscore. Signing off. Adios. Adios.